Hello, folks, and welcome back to Bible in a Year. Today is day 353. We are starting off with Acts chapters 27 to 28. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius, and embarking in a ship of Aphrotimium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from, Mace Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Shidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly, and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myrna in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy, and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days, and arrived with difficulty off Snidus, as the wind did not allow us to go on. We sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmoni. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. As much time has been lost, and the voyage was already dangerous because the fast had already gone by, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the captain and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to put to sea from there, on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, looking northeast and southeast, and winter there. And when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close inshore. But soon a tempestuous wind, called the Northeaster, struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven. And running under the lee of a small island called Calda, we managed with difficulty to secure the boat. After hoisting it up, they took measures to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they should run on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and so were driven. As we were violently storm-tossed, they began next day to throw the cargo overboard, and the third day they cast out with our own hands the tackle of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many a day, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. As they had long been without food, Paul then came forward among them and said, "'Men, you should have listened to me, and should not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss.' I now bid you take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood by me an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And lo, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we shall have to run on some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were drifting across the sea of Adria, about midnight the sailors suspected that we were nearing land. So they sounded and found twenty fathoms. A little farther on they sounded again and found fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we, might, that we might run on the rocks, they let out four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the boat into the sea under present pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, "'Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved.' Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, "'Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food. It will give you strength, since not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you.' 
And when he had said this, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. They were in all two hundred and seventy-six persons on the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach, on which they planned, if possible, to bring the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the, fo the foxel to the wind they made for the beach. But striking a shoal, they ran the vessel aground, the bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape, but the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their purpose. He ordered those who could swim to throw themselves overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship, and so it was that all escaped to land. After we had escaped, we then learned that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, when a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They waited, expecting him to swell up or to suddenly fall down dead, but when they had waited a long time and saw no, no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were, were lands belonging to the chief man of the island, named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They presented many gifts to us, and when we sailed, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship which had wintered on the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin brothers as figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circus and arrived, a circuit and arrived at Regium. After one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Petulio. Putelli. There we found brethren, and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and so we came to Rome. And the brethren there, <coughs> when they heard of us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brethren, though I had done nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brethren coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers, and he expounded the matter to them from morning till evening, testifying to the kingdom of God, and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the laws of Moses and from the prophets. 
and some were convinced by what he said, while others disbelieved. So, as they disagreed among themselves, they departed, after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You shall indeed hear, but never understand, and you shall indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are heavy of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should perceive with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn from me to heal them. Let it be known to you then that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed, holding much dispute among themselves. And he lived there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ quite openly and unhindered. Our next reading is Hebrews chapter 1. In many and various ways God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. But in these days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of his nature, upholding the universe by his word of power. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has obtained is no more excellent than theirs. For to what angel did God ever say, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels winds, and his servants flames of fire? But of the son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is for ever and ever, the righteous scepter is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, thy God, has appointed thee with the oil of gladness beyond thy comrades. And thou, Lord, didst follow the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They will perish, but thou remainest. They will all grow old like a garment. Like a mantle thou wilt roll them up, and they will be changed." But thou art the same, and thy years will never end. But to what angel has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make thy enemies a stool for thy feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation? Our last reading for today is John chapter 15, verses 11 to 17. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, to love one another. That is everything for today. I hope you're having a wonderful day, and I will see you tomorrow. Bye for now.